Good morning. Well, welcome to the First Baptist of St. Springs. It's a beautiful, beautiful day outside. A day the Lord has made for you and for me. And we're here this morning to worship. So I would ask you to stand as we begin our worship service together. Thank you for being here.
Greg and my granddaughter Emily, and I'm very happy to have them come and sing for us.
off her camera. And if you want a picture in front of the tree with your family, it's free. It's cheap. You like cheap? And so, and it'd be great quality. And she can get them to you online some way to imagine if you would like that. Come up here after church and Molly would be glad to take your picture. Uh, also today, we are going to do an invitation. We don't do that every week, but we want to give you a heads up. If God's dealing with you about doing something with us, we're going to do that today. Begin with these two words that I love. Merry Christmas. Is that politically correct anymore? Isn't that interesting in our lifetime that some people have told employees you can't do that anymore? So what do they tell us instead? Happy holidays. I've, I've done this before. What holiday are you talking about? <laughs> Merry Christmas. I love saying that. And, uh, I had lunch with Rabbi Heller this last week. and uh, It's interesting. He usually sends me a text on Christmas Day telling me Merry Christmas. So if the rabbi is not offended, I think it's okay for you to say Merry Christmas to people. Our tree is up. Is your tree up? We had grandkids come for Thanksgiving, so we had to put the tree. We Jeannie had to put the tree up for a thing for uh, for Christmas. And uh, we noticed something: the older we get, the smaller our tree becomes. It's it's not going to be long. It's going to be that little ceramic thing for Cracker Barrel you set on the table. We're no, we were headed towards that. It's a, it's a lot easier. I want to thank everybody who decorated for today. And we're going to celebrate hope today. And what a great place to be to do that in church. This is the only place you will get real hope. Hope, as you know, comes from plugging in what really, really matters. It comes when we keep a biblical perspective. But to keep a biblical perspective, well, you've got to know what it says. Hope disappears, by the way. When we focus on this world, when we concentrate on failures and disappointments and tough circumstances around us. I heard this quote years ago. I don't remember where I heard it from or who I heard it from. It was a senior adult. And they said this. They said, we all stand in the mud, but some of us see the stars. Think about that for a second. We all stand in the mud in this world. But some of us see the stars. And I think that's a good theology. If you want to see the stars while standing in the mud in this world, you have to focus on God and have biblical hope. If you want to miss the stars and just concentrate on the mud, watch news 24 hours a day. That'll do it. Shouldn't We're going to go to familiar today. Luke chapter 2. And see what our friend Luke says about that first Beginning at verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration which was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I'm bringing you good noise of great joy for all the people. Tuke is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a child wrapped in bands of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste. <coughs> found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. How many times have you heard? I love the story. I have pictures in my mind of that dark night when the sky lit up with the glory of God. The shepherds had to visit. There is a debate about the life of a shepherd. Some say, and I think they're right, that they're ceremonially unclean. And others say it was a noble job. Well, the truth is it was a noble job in the Old Testament days, but as time went on in this part of the world, shepherds were looked down upon. There's writings that say if a shepherd fell in a pit, you weren't responsible to help him out. They were just really looked down upon. But whatever we think about the shepherds, God appears to them. And I love that. Now think about it. What do you know about shepherds? Whether how they're thought of or not, they're usually in the middle of nowhere isolated, right? And so you're in the middle of nowhere isolated, and an angel comes to see you, and you go and tell somebody about it. Pam, I'm going to come tell you about it. I'm coming to tell Pam about the angels coming to see me in the middle of the night. And Pam's going to think what? Pam made a face, but do you believe me? Pam doesn't thank you for being honest. Pam doesn't believe me. It's kind of unbelievable. Would you ask if I had my cell phone, if I had pictures? You'd want video of this. And so the shepherds have quite the job trying to convince people that it's true and it's real. And they go and check it out. See Joseph and Mary. Jesus. I don't know what they were like before the encounter. Likely ostracized, likely considered unclean, likely lonely, likely bottom socioeconomic level. But afterwards, they're dancing. I can see them dancing back home after seeing Jesus, singing and smiling and laughing and high-fiving one another. And it's very important to realize something here what they did. They changed their focus. They plugged into God. Their circumstances remained the same. They're still shepherds. 
People are going to think of them after this incident the same they felt of them before the incident. They're still going to have a hard job. But this is so life-changing because what happened is their focus changed. Maybe today you came here focused on failure or loss or disappointment or problems, and we can do that because sometimes they get so big. And God says the same thing to you and to me that he said to the shepherds. Do not be afraid. For see, I'm bringing you good noise of news of great joy for all the people to you is born this day in the city of David Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And that gave the shepherds a new life and hope in the mud where they could finally see the stars. Thinking about hope, I learned something and thought something important this week. When we are young, we're full of hope. I just spent a week with a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and a little time with a six-month-old. And as I looked at them, thought about them, there's so much ahead for them. There's so much hope. Hope that they can be anything and do anything. But I'm past their age now. Is my hope really gone? Is, is my hope behind me? My future is much shorter than theirs, chances are. My course has largely been traveled. I've given up all hope of playing in the NBA one day. I have. Although I lived in Indiana, basketball capital of the world, I don't think I'm going to get drafted by the Hawks. I've given up hope of becoming a billionaire. I, I just don't see that happening <coughs> legally any longer. <laughs> the little house on the beach in Hawaii, I don't think it's likely to happen. I don't think I'm going to win the Mr. Universe contest. I just have a sneaking suspicion that's not going to happen because I'm 60. 60. So it's my hope behind me. It depends on my focus. And you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? The truth is, I have more hope now than ever before because I've learned where my hope lies. I've learned where my hope is, who my hope is contingent upon. My hope is not of this world. My hope is not in my body. My hope is not in my finances. My hope is in Jesus Christ. Period. Remember what the old hymn said? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is seeking sand. All other ground is seeking sand. These words were written over 150 years ago. Uh, and it's difficult for us to know exactly what the author Edward Moe was referring to in the language as he crafted the words. The word frame, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, can mean a number of different things. Some suggest it means our earthly frames, our, our bodies, that, well, they change. We're fragile and mortal, and so we really learn not to put trust in our bodies. Others suggest it's the frame of mind, 
we can't even trust our own thinking. Well, if it's against God's thinking, that's true. Many think frame means, and I think this is the truth, all those fragile, temporary, and earthly things that we put our hope and trust in. Finance and family and our own righteousness or our own success. Whatever the meaning is, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus. That's how it should be. I want to continue in, in talking about hope in Luke chapter 2. It's a whole chapter really about hope. Right after the shepherds go home, we pick up this story beginning in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. The Jews had been looking for the Messiah since there had been Jews. Three, four thousand years. Looking for the Messiah. And he's been given a promise, you're not going to die until you see it. And every day he lived with expectation and with hope. Verse 27 says, Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms, praising God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people, Israel. Now just think for a second of the scene. You walk into the temple with a baby about a week old, and somebody comes and grabs your baby. What happens when you grab someone's baby? Is it a good idea to grab someone's baby? It's really not a good idea. There are probably laws against that. And Simeon goes and grabs this child, and then he speaks, talking about the Messiah. And the reason that Joseph and Mary didn't jump on him and punch him out was because they'd been given a clue that this is the Messiah. So Simeon grabbing the baby is not a bad thing. It's a great thing because it's another way of God to reaffirm what's going on in their lives. And all the strings are coming together to tie the perfect knot now. And what Simeon says, really, is that the Messiah is here and I can die now. That's what he's saying. He said, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace. He means he's ready to go. Let me ask you this. Was Simeon's hope behind him or in front of him? It was in front of him, wasn't it? Directly in front of him. You think he wanted to go back in time? Or you think he was perfectly thrilled to go on now because of the Messiah? Simeon had hope on that day more than ever because Jesus was in his life. All was well with the world. And the truth is, no matter what your age, no matter if you're celebrating your 95th birthday this week or your 5th birthday this week, that your hope is in front of you in Christ 
nothing else in this world. Normally today, in our day and age, when we use the word hope, we say things like, I hope it rains, or I hope my team wins today, or I hope I pass the test, or I hope she'll go out with me. That was a hope I had a long time ago. I don't have that hope anymore. Okay. And I hope my kids are okay. We say things like that today. And our use of hope today is really just wishful thinking. And we're usually uncertain of the outcome. Our hope is empty in this world. But the hope that Christ brings is certain. Carbon and stone. A done deal. Something you can count on 100%. Hebrews 6.19 puts it this way. We have this hope. A sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters the inner shrine behind the curtain. The Greek word for hope here means expectation or confidence. So it really means we have this confidence. A sure and steadfast anchor for our soul. A hope that enters the inner shrine behind the curtain. The use of the word anchor is commonly used in the early church. And so it's really saying that there's a confident hope anchored in their soul. That explains a lot about how the early church exploded and how the people persevered through all sorts of persecution because they knew that there was something better than this world. They had hope. They really did. And that certain hope took them straight to the presence of God when it talks about entering the shrine behind the curtain. It's a reference to the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament where only one person the high priest would go just once a year. And our hope now says we have God all the time. Wherever we are. Every moment. Every day. Finally, Romans 5, 5 says this about hope. Hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. It's not the hope in ourselves. In our own righteousness and our finances, and our plans, and our education, it's none of that. We are all in the same boat. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And the good news is that he came for you. Merry Christmas. So, no matter how many times, again, you've heard the story, make sure when you're planning your future and your hope that that's where it is. That's the only place it can be for all of us. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the hope you gave to the shepherds that night long ago. The hope that Simeon found as he picked Jesus up into his own arms. And 2,000 years later, the hope that we have as we gather in this place. Help us to all understand that our greatest hope is in front of us, not behind us. We're not too old. We are here to celebrate, Father, what you have given to us. And let us celebrate like never before. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We are going to sing again that silent night that the praise team did. I think you could do it without them. You think you could do that without them? And we open the doors of our church. And if God leads you to join with us to come to the altar and pray for that hope, God leads you as we stand in this bond.
and we're so excited that they have. They've been very, very faithful over the past couple of months uh, and have, have had some interesting situations occur in the past couple of months. Look, I, I was on a quick story. There was a bad wreck two weeks ago on 400 southbound headed this way. Jeannie and I were headed northbound on 400 and saw the wreck and the, we saw the car turn around. We didn't know it was them. We had no idea. And Jeannie saw a car seat in the van and she said, David, it's a car seat. And so we started praying for whoever that was and the wreck. Little did we know it was friends of ours and that God had protected them and their granddaughter was with them and she's fine and they're fine and, and uh, it was just another way that God shows us that he's there. The deputy that responded to the wreck was a neighbor. So God, in the, in the mud, they saw the stars. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, if you're a member, if you're a visitor, what you can do is support them. Pray for Grayland and Tatiana. Uh, if you as a church would receive them, raise your hand. You're going to receive them. And nobody's going to be against that, so I'm not going to even ask anybody against that. And so what I would love for you to do is just come shake their hand, hug their neck, and, and, and pray for them. Uh, as they become members today. God bless you. Merry Christmas. I bet Kay is going to play it out and Helen are going to play something else. So y'all head this way and tell them Merry Christmas.